Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Matt Ritchie fires the ball into the back of the net. Edison went the right way, but Matt Ritchie has positioned it perfectly into the bottom corner. Bournemouth 4, Chelsea nil. Charlie Daniels off the bench to add to the humiliation for Chelsea. Fernando Llorente's headed home and probably given Spurs victory. It was a peach of a cross by Danny Rose from the left-hand side. Leicester City, Liverpool 1, Leicester City 1. Liverpool looked as though they dealt with a free kick given away stupidly by Robertson on the Liverpool left-hand side, but it was nodded back into the middle. It seemed as if in slow motion, Maguire was onside. He was all on his own, and he's tapped the ball into the back of the net. It's the Premier League preview show for week 25 of the 18-19 season. After the madness of midweek, the top flight returns on Saturday with things in the balance right across the division. Liverpool are five points clear at the top, but it could have been seven. How will the Reds get on against their usual whipping boys in depleted West Ham? City lost at Newcastle, but the basket case of Arsenal won't be an easy opponent to return to winning ways against. And Chelsea were thumped for four by Bournemouth. And if Sarri can't motivate his players to respond against bottom boys Huddersfield, then who can he inspire them to beat? And just how long will he make the media wait for him if he can't inspire them to victory? I'm Tom Rennie and this is the Premier League Preview Show. Let's say hello to our panel for the day. Wearing red for the closure of the transfer window in his own club tracksuit, no less, is TalkSport's football editor, David Walker. You're right, mate. We're all on red alert. We're all on red alert, of course we are. Transfer deadline day here at TalkSport. So we don't know about the big £100 million transfer that happened at midnight tonight. We don't know as we record the programme. So we might have missed out on the big David Walker Signs for Watford, exclusive. From Ribblesdale Rovers. From Ribblesdale Rovers, how will they cope? You still Is this your team currently? That is my team, yeah. uh, Where are you in the league? You doing well? Uh, we are fifth, I think. Very in, much. In the league of ten teams. Very much everyone at TalkSport's second team, Ribblesdale. Look out for their results yeah. on Teletext South this South London weekend. Sunday League. Brilliant. Great side. Um, and we look forward to hearing more about them in next week's preview show. Uh, also with us this week, two other professionals alongside David Walker. Uh, let's say hello first to Daniel Gabberdon, former Cardiff, West Ham and Palace man. Good to see you, mate. Tom, Dave, how are you doing? We're all right, mate. You're not wearing red. I'm not wearing red. Did you not get the no, memo this morning? Do you read memos? Super busy, that. You normally wear black, though, don't you? You're yeah, a bit I like do. an extra in the yeah. Matrix. Yeah, a little bit. You could have yeah. brought one of the Cardiff shirts from a few years ago. You could have done. <laughs> there must be loads left in a factory somewhere. <laughs> I was trying to forget that, that period. A warehouse yeah, full of red shirts, yeah. unsold. Yeah, I think I still got a couple actually in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and also a man who could have worn red, the former Man United man, Ben Thornley's here as well. Where's your shirt, mate? No, I, I didn't get the memo either, Tom, I'm afraid. You used to be in the shirt that had that weird faded grey collar, right, that was faded really badly. I've played in some pretty horrific strips at Man United, <laughs> I can assure you. Everybody remembers the green and yellow. Oh, I like that one. I thought oh, that was a nice the, one with the uh, strings. With string. yeah. I thought that was a really nice kit. That was one of th- those 90s ones, the red one with the string and the green and yellow... Didn't you win in the cup away somewhere Sheff- in that kit? Sheffield United. Quite famously, the Sheffield United game. Yeah, Sheffield United, yeah. That was watched by like 20 million on the BBC or Did, something like were that. Were you around still with the grey kit? The yeah, I, kit? I, yeah, I played in the game. 
Really? Okay, yeah, in the Southampton, South yeah. yeah. No yeah. one saw him, though. <laughs> 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 Nothing to do with a kit. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about the games coming up. Sorry, mate. Thanks for coming in. Uh, let's talk about the games coming up this weekend. Uh, and let's start our programme with the big game on Sunday. Uh, Manchester City up against Arsenal. It's a 4.30 UK time kickoff. A um, couple of stats on this one. Of course, Man City lost in midweek against Newcastle. They've now dropped 16 points in their 24 Premier League games this season, having drawn twice and now lost four times. They take on an Arsenal side who have lost 11 of their last 19 away games in the Premier League. Just one clean sheet in that run against Huddersfield Town last season. Uh, right, Man City. I suppose you've enjoyed this, Ben, haven't you? The the uh, the falling off of the perch of Manchester City. Um, I know you were covering the Man United game in detail at the time Man City lost against Newcastle, but when you got the result in, of course, you've just seen United claw back in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer time a draw against Burnley. What was your reaction? Were you happy? Were you crowing? <laughs> well... I was happy on one side of the coin, but then when you think that Liverpool was still to play on the Wednesday night, um, it's a difficult one for Man United fans because you're choosing between... Whichever way you slice it, yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to end not, well for you, it's is not it? Happening. We, <laughs> we don't really want to push it towards Anfield, but obviously we don't want Man City to win it either. Um, so it was, um, it, it was a great thing for United fans at the end of that game when the result came through because obviously we felt like we'd earned a slight victory from the position we'd got ourselves in with eight minutes to go and we'd finish the game we're still unbeaten disappointing not to uh not to not to take all three points from the you know from the last 10 minutes of the game I think if it had gone another few minutes longer we might have done but Burnley were were fully deserving of the draw yeah. uh, but when the result came through that Newcastle had uh, beaten Manchester City yeah, I bet there was it. some cheer uh, in Old Trafford when that there happened was. yeah there was um, on the game itself uh, so Man City scored in what 26 seconds I think it was 20, 22 24, 24, 24 something yeah. like that uh, the quickest goal in the Premier League this season anyway and then did they get a bit complacent, Gaps? Is that what happened? Did they feel like the game was won at that point? Um, possibly. Um, but I think I think when that goal went in, I thought that's probably the best thing that could have happened if you Newcastle, because then they have to kind of come out and actually play, because Newcastle don't really play, do they? They just, you know, they're five in the back, they sit back, they try and make it difficult, and they tend to start playing when they go behind. So it probably livened Newcastle up, maybe a bit of complacency from City. You would think then maybe if Newcastle opened up, they'd probably get picked off with a second or third. But it didn't happen. Um, I think all of City's losses, have they been in front this season and ended up losing? Four, or at least three of the four losses. Um, a very good question. Against and we've definitely done the research on it, but we'll <laughs> leave that hanging out there for the audience to guess and tell them yeah, later. Come back to me we definitely one, know the answer to that. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Re- really surprising that Newcastle were able to come back. Obviously, a fantastic victory for them, but you do fear for Arsenal coming into this one with Man City, obviously, um, smarting from that defeat. I was at the Arsenal-Cardiff game in, mid- in midweek and they were woeful, woeful Arsenal. They got the victory, but they were... They were really poor, so so you're saying this is the big game of the weekend. I don't think this is a big game anymore. You think walk over for Man City yeah, because Arsenal were so think, bad yeah, and City I, got a response. Well, Arsenal got. I mean, they just got no defenders, didn't no. they? Mm. They're all injured. Well, I think they lined up with they had Lick Steiner, Monreal centre half um, with. Mustafi, I think, yeah, played. Mustafi, yeah. yeah, and then Kalazanac was left back, so mm. it was you know really makeshift, lightweight. Um, even in the midfield area, it, it didn't seem quite right. Cardiff dominated in the midfield area as well. Um, so how did they win then? I don't know. This has happened a lot with Arsenal this year, hasn't it? They've been bad and won. Cardiff had chances, they didn't take them. Second half, Awobi came on. He improved Arsenal. He's probably been Arsenal's one of their best players. Keeps getting taken that. off yeah. or, or brought on, doesn't he? Doesn't he came play on, ninety minutes in games. the dynamics of them a little bit. And what happened was what normally happens when you're a lesser side, you come up against a big team, you don't take your chances. Someone then does something stupid, makes a mistake. Um, Bruno Manga gives a penalty away. Arsenal go in front and then difficult to get back in the game. And Lacazette scores another fantastic individual goal. So that was that. But but in so many departments, they got dominated. Cardiff played really well. They were a better team. You know, the Arsenal fans are, are, are turned. You know, they, it, was, it was quiet. They were moaning. But they got the job done. Um, so if they, if they play like that on the weekend against City, it's, they'll, they'll get hammered. They'll get hammered. 
I want to go back to, to Man City and the way they played against Newcastle. Ben, you've been involved in squads where you've been champions or you've been um, a team that have won a trophy and the next year they try and defend it, be it the Cup, be it the League, whatever. Um, and we haven't seen a team defend a title in the Premier League for a decade. It'll be a decade this year if it, if it doesn't get done. And I just want to ask you really how what it's like being the coach and what it's like being in the squad when you know you should be playing at your absolute best, you feel like you're the champions, and yet it hasn't gone your way. Is it a lack of motivation? Is there something that's not quite right there with people like Kyle Walker, Fernandinho, making errors, not being in the same rhythm we're used to? And, and how, why is it different now for Man City as opposed to last year? We watched the Amazon thing, we all watched it, when it seemed like Guardiola was pure focus and everyone was ready for it. And I don't know, when that winner went in for Newcastle, we just sort of sat down. I thought he was about to light a cigarette. It didn't seem that either by it. It's a great question. Uh, I mean, going back to my time at, at Manchester United, I think, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson famously, you know, every time that he won a title, he let, I think he let himself have maybe a week to, you know, enjoy it. And then straight away, he was thinking for the next season. He was building for the next season. He got players in all the time. He was constantly evolving the club because he knew that winning it was hard, defending it was was even more difficult. Uh, and I think that the problems that team have now, and when I say that the problems are good problems to have, um, because they're still good sides, is that the teams that are chasing them know that they've got bridges to gap, um, or gaps to bridge, I should say. Mm. Um, and, you know... Alex Ferguson, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson did it in, in Jose Mourinho's first couple of seasons. He realised that Chelsea were dominating that Premier League and he had to find a way both physically and mentally w to get through to his players what it needed to succeed to, to overtake this Chelsea side. And Chelsea won it for two years and then Man United regained the title back from them again. And I, I think that that's what it is. It, it's, a, it's a mentality that coaches need to instil in these players that, you know, what Manchester City did last year, I said, wouldn't be repeated. Mm. I didn't think that, um, that Liverpool would go and do the same thing, but I knew that teams would be a lot closer to them. And it's proving that this season. Um, and the fact that they've already lost four games, I'm not so sure whether you can lose any more than about five or six in the Premier League and, and, and have aspirations of being champions mm. these days. So are they going to go another, you know, what, four months completely unbeaten? I'm not so sure. And these other clubs have put them under pressure and uh, and it isn't a surprise to me that, that City have uh, have crumbled and maybe, like, like Daniel said, that is a, a little bit of complacency on their part as well. I mean, eventually you do get found out, whoever you are as a team. We're going to talk Chelsea later. And after about 10 games, everyone was like, right, get on Jorginho. And, and Bournemouth, to great effect, uh, achieved a brilliant victory on Wednesday by doing that. I look at Man City's side against Newcastle. Everyone was there last season, at the start of last season as well. Look at their bench, and it's only Riyad Mahrez, of those subs who, who wasn't there last year. Are they trying to play the same football as last year and teams like Newcastle? They tried this tactic last year and, of course, they got a lot of criticism for it. It didn't work for them. They had like 6% possession or something mad like that. Um, but this year it's worked. Our teams, have they worked out Man City? Have they not changed enough? Is that the problem? Um, I think it's more competitive. The league's more competitive this year. Um, I think it's going to be harder and harder for teams to retain titles and, and win titles just because of the amount of money that's in the Premier League now all the teams from top to bottom um, are able to spend money I mean you've seen I know that Fulham have been poor this season but they spent 100 million so when you're getting money to spend you're able to improve your squad um, I think it just improves the whole competitiveness of the league as well um, I'm really surprised that City have lost as many games as they had um, and they do kind of play that kind of perfect football I suppose so they have to kind of be spot on with it Pep's so demanding with how he wants them to play um, I think you look at Liverpool and they've almost grounded out a lot of their results this season and not always been at their best and able to to get victories so um, it's a surprise it's, it's difficult I mean United are one of the few teams that have been able to do over the years kind of retain the Premier League um, it is really difficult teams maybe do find you out a bit are, is the motivation are the hunger levels the same the following season did they freshen up the squad enough? Probably not. I think we said Mars is probably the only signing mm. that kind of came in. He's um, not getting the team either. Exactly. He can't improve on perfection, either. maybe. Trying to keep the whole kind of squad happy is a difficult one. 
Um, it's like putting pineapple on a pizza. Pizza is already <laughs> perfect. You don't need. You can't improve it anymore. Yeah, Mahrez is, is like the pineapple of Man City. You having that? You don't like it? Dave doesn't like my little comparison. I'm a big fan of pineapple and pizza. Are you? Yeah. There's so much wrong with your and life. I'm, we need I'm, to sort you out. It's such a tiresome thing to pick on as well, isn't it? Some is people it? just like pineapple on pizzas, mate. And, and that's wrong. It. Sweet and savoury shouldn't go together. <laughs> yeah. I don't put my strawberries yeah, in a Mar-Rez sandwich. Is a Premier League title winner. <laughs> And some people like pineapple on pizzas. Yeah, yeah, all of that is very strange to me. <laughs> all that's odd. Uh, back to this game. Uh, Man City against Arsenal. The City defence, um, there's been some issues in, in recent times. They were bad goals to concede, actually, against Newcastle. I mean, Gabs, you've been a Premier League defender. The first one, the ball is looping in the area. No one's attacking it. The second one, you know, Fernandinho's made an error. But what's the pass into him from old one-leg Danilo? Like, what's he going to do with that Fernandinho running back towards his own goal at full pace? He doesn't deal with it well, but their defensive errors there, and they're coming up against, fair enough, they've got no defenders themselves, Arsenal, but they've got Aubameyang, who continues to score. His record is just ridiculous. Uh, so many great stats on his kind of goal-scoring record since his Premier League debut. Uh, him and Lacazette have combined for seven Arsenal goals in the competition, two more than any other duo. He scored like 100 goals. Or 28 and 44, 28 isn't it? and 44. It's a year today since he signed. Which is mad. Yeah. Just a mad amount of goals that he's actually scored. So there's a chance for Arsenal to at least score a couple of goals, right? This could be a bit of an end-to-end of fair um you don't yes. think so do you well like judging from the game in midweek the ease in which cardiff got him behind that arsenal back four as well it was just a simple run in between a center back and a full back and the ball played down the side and it was the could, same for man united yeah, in the, in the FA Cup, wasn't Mustafi it last week just yeah. not wanting to go out in those areas didn't want to you know get involved in a foot race with anyone and you know if that's going to happen against city then it's going to be a long afternoon for them but I think it all depends where Bamingham plays as well. I mean, against Cardiff, he played in a two with Lacazette. They played a diamond. Um, the game that we covered here. Um, he goes the wing for a while, didn't he? He played right wing. I know he scored, but he spent most of the time kind of tracking back and defending his own box. So I can't see Emery playing both of them mm. up front against Man City. And you might see him deployed on the right-hand side again where he's less effective for me. Um, any chance briefly for this one? I don't think so. City win, easy peasy. Obama Young against United in the FA Cup was stuck out on the wing. I know he scored the goal, but other than that, I I genuinely did not even remember that he was on the park. I think he needs to be more central. Uh, Man City manager Pep Guardiola has never lost a match against Unai Emery. They've played each other several times, seven wins and four draws. The only manager he's faced more during his managerial career without losing is, no one's going to get this, Joaquin Caparros. 13 games out in Spanish football for the likes of Deportivo, Bilbao, Sevilla. Everyone would have got it, I'm sure, but we are out of time. (laughs) Going to move on next to Liverpool, who are top of the table, but nervous in January. What? Go the head, headed away by Chilwell, and the referee blows the whistle. It's going to be all over. It is all over, and it's Liverpool 1, Leicester City 1. So if you look at it from a negative point of view, Liverpool... Uh, failing to increase the gap on uh, Manchester City. Right, let's talk Monday night football. West Ham United up against Liverpool an 8 o'clock UK time kickoff. Here's a stat I'm looking forward to giving you. West Ham have lost their last four Premier League matches against Liverpool, conceding exactly four times in each. 0-4, 1 Not feeling that confident You're watching uh, this from behind this the sofa, aren't you, on Monday night, I think? I'll be watching it in the stands, I'm afraid. Oh I'm going with the fans, with the lads, to this one, because it's my birthday next week. Oh. This is my present. <laughs> oh. This is my present to get to the West Ham game. Thanks, guys. Um, Do they not like you very much? Though? I don't think anyone likes me very much, to be honest. It's uh, it's an issue with my personality, to be fair. Um, but let's talk about Liverpool first. Uh, West Ham, a bit of a sideline for this one, because Jordan Henderson has said they need to bounce back against West Ham from their performance against Leicester City on Wednesday. It was a game I was covering uh, for Talks was International Feed. And, and I thought Leicester had the better of the chances. And also, after scoring early, like two minutes and a couple of seconds for Sadio Mane... Liverpool looked quite nervy. They almost reverted into themselves and didn't create many more chances from that point. Um, it's a bit early for feeling like nervous about the title race. I mean, they could have gone seven clear, but it's still four. And we've still got, what, 14 games to go? Something yeah. like that. It's bizarre. Yeah, it is. It's, it's way too early to start talking about where the title's heading just at this moment in time. Um, and you thought that it wasn't just the fact that they scored after a couple of seconds I don't. I think Leicester had actually touched the ball no. once in that time Liverpool had kept the ball and yes it was a little bit of a lucky ricochet and it broke to to, uh, to Sadio Mane but it was a really really good finish but after that I agree with you Tom they got very they got very nervy 
And I think Leicester capitalised on this, and they, you know, the the goalkeeper didn't help him at times. Alisson, he, you know, he was nearly caught by Vardy. Distribution was terrible. Distribution from the floor, which is, you know, one of the reasons why they go and pay such big money for these goalkeepers these days. Uh, He'd already uh, put a stray pass out towards Henderson that was intercepted. So yeah, they, they they grew in confidence, Leicester, and the goal was coming. Uh, and in the second half, they had chances, and Liverpool were were unexpectedly carved quite wide open at times, and and Leicester didn't manage to uh, to put the ball in the back of the net. But similarly, Liverpool didn't look like scoring, and I thought S- uh, Salah and Firmino were were pretty much non-existent they, in the second they, half. They were quiet, weren't they? Firmino had one chance early on in the first half, where it was a good save, mm. but apart from that, not not a great deal. But it was a game that suited Leicester. Like like when they played Chelsea, like when they played City from earlier in the season, when they were able to count their attack on Liverpool, and they, you know, they used the pace of of, of Vardy very well, um, and they probably should have got more out of the game. Really, I, and this is this is a small point. I mean, it's the same for both teams, but with, with with Liverpool being the team more dominant in possession in the first half, especially the snow that came down, I, I, it looked like they was affecting them. Like the ball wasn't running yeah, very quickly, this, you know. Yeah. The storm that came about 10 minutes before kickoff and all the players ran off midway through their kind of shooting drills or whatever was so bad that I actually thought they might delay the game because there was really big like balls of hail um, and they played through that in the first half. It wasn't rolling that well, so that might be an excuse. But the second half, didn't the Liverpool uh, team uh, around it kind of clear the pitch on one Most side it, yeah. and not the other side? So, that, I mean, that was some proper, proper cheeky stuff from Liverpool. Are they allowed to do that? Just help out their own team and just kind of sweep one half and not the other. Is that morally wrong? Did it annoy anyone else? I thought it was a bit off, to be fair. Is it, but it's is been it not, not the same as having the ball boys with a towel with the for towels, somebody with yeah, a long throw? That, yeah. Don't agree with that either. All right, okay. No yeah. towels allowed. Not in my game. They not when I get the Premier League job. To be fair to them as well, they should have had a penalty. Yeah. Liverpool, yes. Yeah. But I mean, you can, may, can I just right say something on that? I think I know what you're going to say. Can I say something on that? Right. <laughs> Now, you Liverpool, what you sow, perhaps. Liverpool have cried wolf, you're <laughs> absolutely right, for weeks and weeks. And maybe one of them was a penalty for the various Salah dives, but not all of them. In the game, in the first half, Salah ran at Maguire's arm, yeah. ran into it, and then he was like, oh, penalty! Wasn't given. In the second half, there's a bouncing ball in the penalty area. Virgil van Dijk, of all people, had a terrible game, I thought, across the nightly. Felt a little nudge. He goes down. It's a penalty! It's a penalty! And then when it finally comes around... It looks like a penalty on the replay, absolutely. I probably would have given it. However, on the first viewing, Naby Keita's got all his feet muddled up. He's going with the wrong foot. He should have toe-poked with the left and tried to hit it with the right. So he's already in a muddle. And now Martin Atkinson goes, well, they keep diving here. And I know they keep diving. And my colleagues have been embarrassed by Liverpool. And that moment of doubt, I genuinely think cost him there because that probably was a penalty. But what's worrying for me is that Peter Walton, who was in the BT studio looking at it, must have seen it five or six times mm. and still came back when they went to him and said it wasn't a penalty. <laughs> so even though, yeah. you know, Martin Atkinson probably did think that and if he if he isn't sure, he can't give it. It was a penalty with the benefit of VAR or a replay that Peter Walton had and like I said, must have watched five or six times mm. and he still said it was the correct decision not to give the penalty, mm. which that was the totally issue, wrong. Yeah. With it, like it's still going to the opinion of someone else and they can still get it wrong what I liked about the World Cup why it worked well because the ref went off the pitch and actually well they're meant to that's what would happen is that in the FA Cup they kind of got it wrong where they were telling them what happened they are meant to go look if they want to overturn it yeah and I think that's why it worked better but I thought it was a penalty but I agree with you Tom I think he probably should have got the shot away before that anyway. Like, why is mm. he going with the outside of his right foot in the first place? It was a left-footed kind of strike. Yeah, yeah. Probably sums up Keita's season a little bit. He hasn't quite hit the heights yet, has no. he? But, yeah, Liverpool were, um, I think the last three games now, they've looked a bit off the pace. Brighton, they struggled. Palace, Palace. they got the job done. Yep, got done but there. were open. Um, but then Spironi gave him two. Yeah, he threw one in, didn't he? So, um, I think they've looked a little bit nervous the last three games and... I think it might be time maybe to go back to the tried and trusted kind of more of the four-three-three with Salah on the right-hand side because I think they've had a period where that kind of four-two-three-one has kind of worked with Salah for the middle. But mm. as Ben said there, I think it does leave them open a little bit as well in that midfield area, and they've been so good defensively throughout the season. You know, with those three in the middle at times stopping counting attacks. But I just think when they play with a two, um, and Salah sometimes playing through the middle he doesn't find maybe as much space as he normally would and they just look a bit more vulnerable defensively yep. now I'd say obviously injuries haven't helped Henderson playing right back was a 
a strange one for me yeah. when Fabinho starts his career as a right back you know in Brazil yeah, so he, he is knows right how to play there yeah um, so you would have thought he would play there he didn't and they got um, rid of Klein got rid of Klein which I mm. I think obviously the player wanted to go but surely as a manager you say look I'm sorry can't go mate you can't go mm. I need, you know, my right backs are injured you stay here he actually played a couple of games before he went and actually played quite well that's a strange one as well but um, all, all this being said though can we see West Ham doing what Leicester did oh yeah sorry <laughs> Can we? Um, <laughs> I mean, you know what? I actually, I actually can. Yeah. I actually can see West Ham getting something from this game. Why? Because this is the most quintessential West Ham <laughs> season. They beat Man U, they beat Arsenal, they went out in the cup to a League One side. Injuries everywhere. Bottom of Star strikers injured. Yeah, I know, mate. I was in Wimbledon at the time. Don't bring <laughs> it up. Okay, it was a tough night for me. I had to buy a lot of drinks for people. Um, it's just it, this is such a quintessential West Ham season. I mean, you've been involved in a few of those chaotic years, Gabs. I mean. Yeah. I just wouldn't discount it. I no. genuinely wouldn't. Only because this is what West Ham do. Do mm. This is what they do. Um, I think they've been caught up in recent times because they've had 10 players out for so long now. And all these guys have played a lot of minutes, a lot of games. They all look knackered. Bonner's gone anyway in the mind. Uh, Masuaku you know, never had one. Masuaku, that left side partnership is nothing short of disgrace. But when you <laughs> when you don't have Cresswell, who's been playing quite well, you don't have Balbuena. I mean, you know, we've joked about Wilshere, but they did plan for him to play more than five games. You know, it's just caught up with him, I think. Yeah. I think that's what's happened in, in recent weeks. I still think they'll get 45 points and yeah. it won't be a, a lot, disaster. A lot of his signings as well are injured, which doesn't yeah. help, I think. Obviously, I mean, it was essentially Yamalenko, last year's team, wasn't it, against yeah. Wolves? Yamalenko getting injured. Obviously, Wilshere, Balbuena, as you said, doesn't help, but... If they play a four-four-two against Liverpool, I, I can't see them getting anything. I, I think yes, injuries have been a problem defensively. I think they probably conceded the most goals in the Premier League. I think or they're, they're close. To I think it's from from set pieces. Um, they're the highest. I think they've conceded a lot of goals. So for me, you can look at the manager and say, okay, yes, we've got injuries, but we have to be a bit more difficult to beat maybe in this period then when we don't have our players. So for me, it'd be four-five-one against Liverpool. You know, you put three in the middle, Noble. As we, you know, Tom struggles to play mm. in a two at times, particularly when there's a you know a lot of games close together. Um, when you get behind him, you yeah. can't catch him. No, and he doesn't play deep enough. Yeah, he's, in a know, two. he lacks a bit of mobility. So I think you put three in the middle, two Anderson one side. I don't know Antonio the other side. But the creativity isn't there, is that's the thing. And out of it, Marco and out of it. You notice this. Um, so West Ham are losing the game. They got so bossed by Wolves. Really impressed by Wolves. You know, don't want to take that away from them. But West Ham are terrible. They're losing the game. And out of it, with all the oh, I'm back, everyone. Or oh, where did you go? <laughs> you were literally just at home. So I'm not sure you should be announcing you're back 20 minutes after a cup knockout. But he gets that kick on the foot, and it's like oh god, he's broken his foot. It's over. He's got a Neymar. It's it's a metatarsal broken. Just a bruise. Might even play in this game. It's a doubt, but might play. Just a bruise. Just didn't fancy it, did he? Didn't fancy it. What am I doing here? If you really wanted to play the rest of that game and he really wants to come back and play for West Ham on Monday, he could. But we know he doesn't. And it's, it's a bit the similar story for people like Hernandez, who's been ill a few times this year. <laughs> Give me 100 grand a week. I can't make it. Don't fancy it this week. And there's a lot of that goes around at that club, unfortunately. <sighs> Yeah, I, I can't disagree with yeah. you, to be honest with you. You were there, so, mate. <laughs> I was there. I've seen yeah. it first hand. So, um, it. yeah, I think it's a difficult one. Difficult one for West Ham. Unless they, they go a bit more defensive and, and just try and dig out a result, I can only see Liverpool kind of um, getting back to, to winning ways with this Maybe, one. but you never know. It's my birthday. They might surprise you me. You never know. Uh, listen, I want to get to Leicester, Manchester United. We've got a bit of time to do that now, so let's do it right now. Let's talk uh, about Man U. We, we mentioned them a little bit uh, across the programme. Um on uh, Wednesday against Burnley, Ben, of course, you were there covering the game. Probably the worst performance of the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer reign. Defensively looked a little bit disorganised. Pereira made a few errors. I'm, I'm not too sure we'll be seeing too much of, of that repeated in the centre midfield. What went wrong in the game for you and what went right in the game? Um, well, obviously, the, what went right was the... You know, was the fact that they didn't they didn't give up. It was like it was a characteristic of of teams of old under under Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, two 0 down didn't look really like scoring, and they managed to to salvage a draw out of it. So they they certainly need you know commending on that. Um, but they didn't they didn't play the game um, how they how they or they didn't approach the game like they'd done in in, in previous matches. 
Spurs, Arsenal, Spurs especially in the first half when they kept Martial and Rashford high caused real problems, did the same with Arsenal um, and and played on the counter-attack but played with with people coming up behind them like Pogba, which we hadn't seen. Um, And fair play to Burnley, They, um, they had a game plan, they stuck with it um, it was a terrible goal to give away the first one. I mean, yeah. Phil, Phil Jones has played the ball into Pereira. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a, a great ball, but he had time and he he just panicked. And, and at Man United, any team in the Premier League, you've got when you when you receive the ball, you've got to know what's around you, um, and you've got to know what you're going to do with it. And you need to be good enough and have the quality to deal with it. He was shoved off the ball easily by Jack Cork, who I thought on the night was about the best player, and I think yeah. it's been a really good signing for Burnley. Um, and he didn't panic. Phil Jones sort of pirouetted, which gave him the time to see um, Ashley Barnes coming up on his inside, and he smashed the ball home. And the second one was was a uh, the, the defense not pushing. Now it was just a ball that they're always going to play. Volks, Barnes, yep. um, maybe Wood. Peter Crouch this week. They're, well, they're all they're all of a similar ilk and a similar size, and and the, he, he has a way to play Sean Dyche. And last year it worked; it hasn't done so much this year. But in recent matches, they've they have they have done quite well. And I thought they were good value, Burnley. And United didn't didn't go at it with pace as they as they had done. Just want to take you back to Manu. Uh, we mentioned Burnley a bit more later. Lukaku and Rashford. Rashford starting up front looks fantastic. Lukaku comes in in the cup game and set up both goals. Then they play together. Can they play together? Well, it didn't seem like it the other night. Um, I think that uh, Romelu Lukaku this season has has had his critics, no question. Um, And he he went with a game plan against Arsenal that worked with with Lukaku sort of on on one side. Um, But for me... I, I would still prefer to to have the the sheer pace of of the likes of Anthony Martial, who I know wasn't wasn't available, but I'm pretty sure that he will probably revert back to uh, to the three of of Lingard, with Pogba just coming up behind Rashford and Martial for for the game against Leicester on Sunday. That's what's been tried and tested so far in the most of these nine games that they've had, yeah. and they've been hugely successful with yeah. it. And look, a different side and a more potent yeah. team. I like Lingard through the middle. I like him through the middle. I think it worked in the cup with Lukaku on the right. He's often looked good play. in that role. Remember when he yeah. was at Everton? Martinez used to play him. I think it was when he was on loan, first yeah. of all. He used to play him sort of off the right and yeah. he, he's often done well yeah. there. They yeah. had him running that way mm. instead of him coming short and trying to link play, which he struggles with a bit. He probably doesn't use his physical attributes as much as he should. He was actually the, the counter-attacking threat. They were get, He was cheating a bit on the right. They were getting the ball to him and he was driving using his pace, which I think is his main strength really getting in behind people so um, you know the Lingard Martial Rashford kind of combination is is the, the prime it's made more sense in recent yeah. times uh, briefly on Leicester we've mentioned him a few times during the programme they just do better against better teams. teams it's so yep. bizarre they can't beat Newport County but they can beat Man City and get a great point uh, against Liverpool and this could be a real chance for them and do you know what just quickly on Claude Puel as well all the, the Leicester fans in the office that I speak to talk about how much they dislike him. He doesn't show the passion with an SH. Um, and he does. You should have seen him on the touchline at Anfield. He's Absolutely. screaming at everyone. He's right into well, it. You, you saw that, the, the shot, which was a TV director's dream against Wolves, oh, yeah, right. with their head in the hands when they conceded the, the fourth goal in the last minute. He certainly cares. Yeah. Um, but I think his nature when he when he's interviewed and stuff, maybe he's not his first language. He's it, it might you know he's not a tub plumping sort of. He's not Jurgen Klopp or anything like that. No. He's not a, he's not a big personality, but he, of course he cares. A good manager as well. I, yeah. I don't get whether well, I never get it. Let's not do that discussion again. I don't get it. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, next up, let's talk Tottenham up against Newcastle United. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparcel Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparcel Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. They needed a win here tonight, and they've got a win here tonight. Some of the players dropped to their knees on the floor. Son is back and scored. Lorente got the winner, and Tottenham managed to take advantage of Chelsea's collapse at Bournemouth. Uh, 12.30 UK time on Saturday. Tottenham take on Newcastle United at Wembley. I'm expecting at least 100 fans to turn up. I'm not sure yet. We'll get some on the turnstiles to count them in and count them out again. 60,000 empty seats at Wembley yeah, on Wednesday. But was that a licensing thing? Because I know that you know they can only have like 90 both, or 80, but, but still it was... I mean, it's one of the coldest nights of the year. Mm. It was playing Watford... You know, they could be forgiven, yeah, I think, the Spurs fans. Can they be forgiven, though? I think they're fed up. Of, they're just fed up of this Wembley. This is so they? true. Yeah. Every, I mean, listeners outside the country might not understand this as much, but it's a long journey. It's tough to get to Wembley. It's not your own ground. It's always a pain getting out of. Like, you're always in that queue getting yeah. to the station for ages and ages. And they just don't want to be there anymore. And when Everton change their ground coming up soon, the Premier League need to write in a rule of some sort of punishment for not going to the ground on the date you say. Because you know, not only... I've said a few times about it being fair for other teams this year, and I do think that, but also it's not fair on the supporters who paid for season tickets somewhere, they're not going, and you get this kind of, well, it don't really matter anymore, which is what a lot of Tottenham fans would have felt about midweek. It's very, very annoying. I wonder how many turn up against Newcastle at 12.30, which for a lot of fans in this country at least, it's the worst kickoff time. Because you don't get to go out beforehand. The wife wants you back by free or your husband, whatever, wants you back for the afternoon. Uh, so you can't have a nice day out with the lads, having a few pints or anything like that. Um, and and you've got, you got to watch Newcastle. And you've got to watch Newcastle as well, who may well play terrible and get something like they did uh, against City a few days ago. And that's how they're going to play Gabs, isn't it? They're exactly the same yeah. way. Five at the back, yeah, they won't everyone change. else defending too. They won't change, particularly off the back of uh, getting a result against Man City. I think you, know, you have to give kind of credit to Rafa, he, he, he finds a way of getting the job done, keeping Newcastle in the league. Um, he is the reason why they will stay in the Premier League for another season. But it's not great to watch if you're a Newcastle fan. I mean, we're talking about West Ham there and saying their season's done. What is there to look forward to? It's almost a bit similar with, with Newcastle, I suppose, because you're not going and seeing kind of great football if you're a Newcastle fan. They're not going to obviously challenge for winning the Premier League. They're not probably going to go down. It's a bit you know, you're not even you're paying your money. And do you think they're really out of it now? Then 24 anything. points with those wins. Um, I think they'll do enough. They're not out of it yet, but they're gonna do enough. They're gonna win enough games. I think you yeah. know with the way Rafa plays. But um, yeah, they're gonna go to Tottenham. They're gonna be difficult to beat. Um, if they go behind, then they might try and have a go. Rondon, to be fair, has been in good form for them. I have to say, um, he could cause problems for for Tottenham if he gets the right service. I think you know if Davison Sanchez plays. Um, I think he's certainly someone who can who can be bullied. Um, but it was a big win for Tottenham, actually, to kind of keep them slightly in the title race. That was a big comeback against Watford. So um, Title race? That was surprising. Well, seven points. You can't really rule them out yet, can you? Well, I don't okay. Think. Well, I, I thought we had. Are they back in it now? Well, it's, it's, I think it's, it's the same as what it was a few weeks ago. If City are still in it, Tottenham are... Yeah. Just about in it, obviously not quite as much, but interesting. You know, they still. They, I, I saw them play against Palace on on Sunday, and they they weren't very good. I mean, they, mm. they had a they had a by their standards a, a weakened team. Skip, I felt a bit sorry for him. He had a lot of the ball, but he looked maybe a little bit overawed by the whole situation. Um, you know, Llorente got a goal against Watford. He can head it, can't he? He can't pass it, yeah, but he can head it. But having Son back last night was a huge thing for them. Yeah. He can he can just about make up for the absence of Ali and Kane if he's yeah, if he's on his player. song every day. As a former winger, Ben, you must love to watch Hungman's song. Brilliant, yeah, brilliant. I mean, it, the last time uh, well, when United played them a few weeks ago, they had uh, uh, Ali, Son, and Kane all playing, um, and the following match, neither of the three of them were involved. But Son is 
extremely excited. I actually think he's um, he, he's more of an asset to them than than either of the other two. I think I, th- I tend to. Agree I think with he's you. absolutely brilliant. He, he's quick. He he can beat players. He's strong. He's powerful. He can run in behind. He can come short, and he can score you a, a you know he can score great goals. I think he is um, he's a huge player for Spurs to have back at this stage of the season. Does South Korea have a tournament every six weeks? <laughs> now, what's he going to go to next? I know. He's going to judge a pie contest next. <laughs> Get someone else. Get another player, South Korea. You've had your son time. Anyway, let's move on. Chelsea against Huddersfield is three o'clock UK time on Saturday. Chelsea looking to avoid three consecutive Premier League defeats uh, for the first time since 2015, November that year. Their biggest defeat in the Premier League since 1996 when they were thumped 5-1 by Liverpool back then, way before the Abramovich era, so way before many of you ever supported Chelsea. Get in there. Uh, Right. What do Chelsea do? How does he motivate these players to play against Huddersfield? Why can't he motivate these players? They've down tools again, haven't they? Well, I mean, I, I I didn't see the game, but I mean that that was a the, the biggest scoreline in terms of you know eye opening of the of the week. I mean, for for Bournemouth who who played good stuff and Eddie Howe's done a great job there, but for I, and I saw some of the goals and they were completely carved open. Chelsea, um, they they're lacking a, a, a centre forward as well, which is not helping helping matters. They don't have a focal point. Um, and some Higuain of the didn't do very much, did he? In that no. sixty minutes before he got subbed. And some of the big players that they've they've got out there, uh, and obviously they didn't perform, but they're not performing as regularly as they did last season well, was, and to their capabilities. I was at Stamford Bridge last Thursday for the Carabao Cup semi-final, mm. and they were great. Giroud. They could have blown Tottenham out of the water in the first half, and they eventually went on to win on penalties. But you know, and I was I was at the previous week. I was at the Emirates to see them humiliated by Arsenal. And they were terrible. Mm. I mean, they are. So what's going on? You'll know. You've been at more games well, than all of us. What is that mean? They're really flaky. Like they can't. They've got it in them to go out and. I mean, they probably will beat Huddersfield. Huddersfield are the worst team around. But you know, they 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 they're, they're only one one week away from a brilliant performance or a terrible performance. Like it when they beat City in between. Yeah. Yeah. I think they lack leadership. Me. I think you look on the pitch. How many leaders do they really have? On the field of play, obviously, since losing the likes of Lampard and John Terry, who was who were massive players for the club, I don't really. I look at that team and just think, who would patrol things there? You know, when the team goes behind, who's going to like kind of galvanise the players and get them going? As Pulaqueta, maybe I know he's the captain, but I don't really see him as being the most kind of vocal. I think they just lack a dominant kind of leader in their Someone team. Someone to stop Willian from sulking. He just you don't fancy like anymore. You don't fancy anymore, Pedro. You don't fancy anymore, Hazard. Get it up, yeah. Yeah, but I think at times they have problems with and without the ball. So as Ben said, they're quite open on the turnover with Jorginho playing his lack of mobility. Doesn't really protect two set halves for me. You know, who should were, be playing there, didn't you? Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, move on, move on. don't it, do it. For, for me, in Luis and Rudiger, they have two centre backs who are not top for quality for me so if you're going to play with two centre halves there like that you need someone patrolling in front who can kind of cut out those counter attacks even before they get to the two centre backs they don't have that in Jorginho it lacks mobility and I think with the ball at times they're just too intricate yeah. They don't go in behind enough. Everything's in front of teams, and it's in Hazard trying to look for a one-two. And I think one of the big problems is they've they've employed a manager who probably needs a season or two mm-hmm. at least to Implement properly get his philosophy, his players, get the players yeah. in and out, and build the team that like he had at Napoli that could challenge Juventus like they did. It was in, in his third season, I think. Or yeah, something like that. Years, yeah, second or third. Yeah. Few years in, um, but Chelsea. You know, that that is not the right fit for Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea are a club that employ managers can come in and win titles in the first seasons, and then it all goes to pot. Yeah, if so they I, don't lose, know, I don't think he'll get the time to to do what he needs to do. They they won't lose to Huddersfield Town. Huddersfield should just forfeit all their points. <laughs> what points? Well, exactly right. Uh, it wouldn't change the league at all actually if they forfeited their <laughs> points, but still they should. Um, but if they lose in the coming weeks, bigger games, tougher tasks. Do we think that Maurizio Sarri, let's say Chelsea, I mean, I think it dropped down to sixth now. On well, they've got difference. Manchester United in the FA Cup. Man United coming round, up in the Cup. They've got the Carabao Cup final coming up in February as well. Fifth. They lose those games. They lose a couple of big league games. And they've slipped out of the top four now as well. Yeah, on on goals um, conceded, I think. Is it yeah, goal, is it yeah they joined the, fourth, the fourth. Arsenal, yeah. yeah. Do we see him lasting the season, Sarri? Well, if he doesn't no. finish in the top four. No chance. I don't think so, no. No, no, no he could be gone. Could be gone. I mean, after the game, apparently. He, if you lose to Huddersfield at the weekend, I mean, it's he, not out beyond well, the realms of possibility. I don't the think that will happen. Bournemouth though, but. game apparently was uh, 
he threw all his staff out of the dressing yep. room and locked him in. Forty minutes, he was talking to his players. And what's he game. saying to him in there? What, well, what is that about? I think he can only be saying, "Look, are you with me or not? You know, that's not acceptable. Are, are you with me? Are you believing in what I'm trying to do? Because if you, if not, then." I'm going to have to ship a few of you out, or I'm going to be gone. I don't know. I think to bring it back to your original point as well, what would be fascinating is to see which of those players went back at him Mm. and said what they said, if any. Yeah. Yeah. Some must have done, right? Some players in there, the senior players, like you say, absolutely right. One of them, I mean, surely Eden Hazard must have gone. He can speak for the attacking players. I mean, can Higuain say anything? Hasn't he been there a week? (laughs) Does he sit there quietly? I I think so. What does Jorginho (laughs) say? The team runs through him. And is someone saying. Is someone in that dressing room saying, look, all they did was put Josh King five or ten yards behind the back of Jorginho, so when he got it, he could close him down, and when he didn't have it, he was in that little pocket to create things. It was kind of obvious from the start that's what they were doing, and they didn't react to it. Is someone standing up? Is N'Golo Kante, lovely man that he is, does he stop massaging everyone and making him a sandwich for a couple of minutes there's no way to get the, up and there's, say, there's no way this guy's not doing it? No, he wouldn't. He's not saying he wouldn't. But, but he's as not a professional, guy, no, but he's a professional, yeah, though. Yeah. And if they're having a discussion, look, guys, I mean, he's, he's the most successful guy in the room. But you need someone to do it for him. Do you think? Which I think is what... Yeah, because I think we, if, you've, if you've read anything about N'Golo Kante, he, he is one of the most shy and retiring, humble guys around. He's not someone who's going to stand up to his manager, I don't think. And but what if he's enough, asked? But, what if Sari said, can you tell me, please, because you... Would he have asked him? Is that bizarre that the manager might have said to him, you're the guy with the most impressive CV here. What are we doing wrong? You've played every game. Tell I, me. I think Sari's the kind of guy that probably doesn't want to hear your opinion too much. It's, it's Sari ball. This is what we're yeah. doing. It's my way. Um, get you, on board he said as much in public. Yeah, if yeah. you don't, it's, it's you that are, are not doing things right or the mentality is wrong or you don't believe in what I'm doing. I think he's, he's a coach that you know believes in what he's doing and expects the players to to get on board with it and if they don't or if the result goes the wrong way it's it's the players haven't listened or yeah. haven't shown the right mentality so um, we've seen if your managers don't do it there they get they get sacked so yeah. um, he needs a couple of results quickly Strange old story that briefly on Huddersfield uh, they are in the midst of an eight month pre-season building up to August in the championship do you see them doing anything different for this game actually against Everton they lost the game but they created ten chances in the match I just assumed someone was counting them wrong well, they tried to get forward. Yeah, they tried to do so. There was some positivity about, oh, Jan Sievert. What a quiz question he'll be in a few years. <laughs> but they've got nobody who can who can put the ball in the back of the net. And we've yeah. had this dis- yeah. discussion so many occasions. You've been this through season. this, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and it is a shame. You know, they're one of my old clubs and, and I wish them well daily. And yeah. I thought they did extremely well to stay up last year. But it's it's proving a hurdle too far. And yeah. I think they've already need now to, to start building for next and, season. And they are. They've just signed a striker from Charlton in League One. Yeah, and that is that's the signing for next Says season, it isn't, all, it? Yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Says it all. Uh, tough game for Huddersfield. Chelsea got to bounce back. I'm sure they will. Five more games to get through. Stay with us. It made ball here for Mendes Lang in the penalty area. Can he get his shot away? Yes, he can. What a finish by Nathaniel Mendes Lang. Beautifully placed into the bottom right hand corner, and Cardiff do have a goal back. Right, five more games in the Premier League to get through. The feature game at 5.30 UK time on Saturday is Cardiff City up against Bournemouth. The first game at the Cardiff City Stadium since the disappearance of recently signed striker Emiliano Sala. The player, along with pilot David Ibbotson, were in a plane travelling from Nantes to Cardiff when it went missing from radar and are still yet to be recovered at the time of recording. The search continues in the English Channel, being paid for by fundraisers from around the world to find out what happened. Uh, Danny Gabbardin, former Cardiff City player, manager. Of course, you were at the game in midweek when there was uh, a moment of reflection before the game at Emirates Stadium. Some lovely tributes there as well. Uh, look, it has been such a horrible time for everyone involved in Cardiff City. I thought Neil Warnock's press conference was, was, was very engaging and very interesting to hear him talk on such a human level about what had happened. He spoke to this guy for the last eight to ten weeks and it's obviously hit him uh, very personally. How did they handle all of that against Arsenal? And and what was the performance like? Because this is going to be an all a very different sort of thing. Because now it's in front of their home fans, and yeah. you know they just they did they know him but never saw him play. It's such an odd situation for everyone to be in, a sad one as well. Yeah, it is an odd situation. Um, I think only one or two of the players actually got to actually talk to Emiliano. As you said, obviously Neil um, spoke to him over a number of weeks uh, trying to get the deal done, but. You know, once a player kind of signs on the dotted line, I think as a teammate then in the in the, in that dressing room, you're you're looking forward to the player coming into the club, and you know, hopefully, 
making your team better and helping you to stay in the Premier League and, and do really well for the club. And But then you're also looking forward to getting to know the person as well and, and, and seeing what he's all about. And obviously that wasn't able to happen. So the way Cardiff City kind of conducted themselves all the way through the week, really, you know, the fans, Mehmet Dalman, Ken Chu, Neil Warnock, the players was fantastic. And it's probably one of their best performances, I would say, of the season against the Arsenal. Game, yeah. they, they played really well. Um, they created good chance in the first half. Just the old problem again of not sticking it in the back of the net. Um, I don't think they've been ahead at half-time in any game this season so far. Um, but they certainly deserve to be in that one. And you just felt then that Arsenal were going to improve second half, which they did. Um, and they gave a penalty away and then it was difficult then for them to get back into the game. But, you know, if they take that kind of game plan and the positivity that they showed um, into the game this weekend against Bournemouth, then you're more than capable of, of picking up with a result, which they need yeah. to, because I think it's four maybe without a, a win now for it, Cardiff. It could potentially, it's going to be a tough afternoon for yeah. those players, for Warnock, for everyone in the stadium. Like you say, it's, you know, echoes of the Leicester City thing, yeah. but, but but very different at the same time because of the circumstances of him never actually playing, never actually being part of the club properly. But it could be a galvanising moment for Cardiff if they if they get together and they use it as some sort of motivation and they get a win. You know, it could really spur them on for the rest of the season. But it's going to be difficult because they've got so many problems to deal with. They've got the human tragedy of this is the main thing and the hardest thing for anyone to deal with. But if it happened to any one of us and we had some sort of tragedy in our personal lives, we could have some time off work to deal with it or whatever. You can't do that in this situation. They've got to play these games. They've got to get the points they need to stay up in the Premier League. They've also got the added pressure of needing a striker. That's why he was there. They need Mm. someone to come and score goals. And they got, as as we record this less than 12 hours to do so if they want to find one they're not going to get any special dispensation which has been talked about but Mm. that's not going to happen so it's a tough situation against a team who have just battered Chelsea and will be full of confidence but if they can win this game it could be huge absolutely huge for them I like Umar Nias I'm going to come out and say it right now I like him as a kind of chaos striker You don't. I mean, he is yeah. one of those guys. He's I think he moments, works he? Yeah. so hard. I, every time I've watched him play, I've, I've not seen too many strikers just run that much. He runs himself so hard in games, and I think he will score goals for Cardiff. I don't know if he will score as many goals that they need to keep him up, but I think he will score goals. I think that's quite, quite a shrewd acquisition. You're not so sure? No. Um, <laughs> look, I think I think he suits Cardiff in in so many ways. His attributes, as you say, you know, he, he works hard. His hold up play was excellent actually against Arsenal. Mustafi really struggled to to deal with his physicality and his running power. Um, he did a lot of work for the team, but that in a way was a small problem as well because he was in wide areas a lot of the time. And you know, when the ball was then going in the box, he wasn't the guy um, to stick it away. I mean, Bobby Reid had two great chances, mm. and if Nias was on the end of either of them. It might have been a different outcome. So, it's just the way Cardiff play. They don't create that much. So, it's going to be difficult for him to to score goals, I think, in this team. But he does bring a lot of positivity. And he did play well um, against Arsenal. Yeah. But he needs a bit better service, I think. Big chance for a victory against Bournemouth, who have lost their last six away Premier League games, conceding at least two times in each of those games. They have not been on a worse run away from home in the Football League since October 1994. Maybe that's why Eddie Howe doesn't get the call from the likes of Arsenal. I don't know. Uh, let's talk about Burnley, who take on Southampton, 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday. Uh, Southampton missed the chance to move away from those relegation places against Crystal Palace in midweek, mm. a 1-1 draw, which didn't really help either of those two teams that much. Pretty big but game, this. Huge game. But let's talk Burnley. Uh, of course, you watch them, uh, Ben Thornley, against Man United. They're the team who sit just outside the relegation places right now with Southampton and Palace climbing above them. Um, and it's a game in, in Burnley's current form. I don't know, do you make them favourites? What, what is your assessment of this one? I think if it was last season, you would have done. Um, it was a it was a really, really tough place to go turf more last year. They made it a bit of a fortress and obviously they finished in the Europa League places. That's how, how good a season that they did have. Um, when people expect them to kick on this season, it, it never happened, which, you know, invariably does happen um, but recently they've um, I think they've they've won sort of four out of the last six and lost and, and drawn um, obviously they lost with a much changed side in the FA Cup to Manchester City but I think they'd won the four games prior to that and had a, a very very 
solid performance against Man United, one that will will be you know will give them heart that they can they can kick on from there, and especially to transform their their home form um, into uh, into a place that's difficult for people to come, and will get them the required number of points to to lift them up the table. And we might well see the return to the Premier League of Peter Crouch. That's incredible, isn't it? Looks like that's going to happen on transfer deadline day. Yeah, thirty-eight. So yeah. as we record it, Sam Vokes to Stoke and yeah. and. Uh, Peter Crouch going to Burnley. Sean Dyche always been an admirer. <laughs> so it sounds in the press. I don't get that one, to be honest. No. I really don't get it. Even one. Just, just take him. We yeah, don't need Peter Crouch back. Really. <laughs> you just wouldn't him. bet against Crouchy coming off the bench and sticking one in, would you? I mean, that is how they play. Yeah, they haven't yeah. done it enough this season. It'll suit yeah. their style of the play. The more yeah, they revert to getting that ball long in the air, the, the more men, they win. The big men quite ha- haven't quite been as good as they were last season, so they've gone out and got an even bigger man. <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> BFG coming back to the Premier League. Great to see. Uh, what about Southampton? Their draw against Crystal Palace. Uh, Wolfrid Zaha scored, then was sent off, but James Ward-Prowse uh, was the man who levelled things up for Southampton. No doubt that Ralph Harsenhood has made a lot of changes uh, at Southampton. I was talking to Alex Crook, our South Coast reporter a few days ago really in, the, really in the know on this story and he was basically saying that Harsen Hooter in a week looked at all these players and was like yes no no <laughs> yes Charlie Austin no Davis don't fancy you Redmond yeah you're in <laughs> and he just made quick assessments because I suppose that's what you've got to do when yes. you're in the situation they're in and he's and he said it to their faces as well like Charlie I'm sorry you can't run you can only get 30 minutes out of you I can't use you you've yeah. got to leave well, Players think, want that, don't they? Yeah, you, you you admire the honesty. You appreciate the honesty, whether it's good or bad. Either way, um, you just want to be told. Um, and as you say, the situation that Southampton are in, they didn't have a lot of games to play with. He, he had to hit the ground running. Um, he obviously has his style of play. He knows what he wants. He's looked at the players to, to fit the way he wants to play. And he's made a quick assessment. And I think it was in nine games. He's won four of the nine games that he's had. So he's had a a really quick effect on the team and you look at the likes of Redmond now who is playing really well he's getting a tune at Ward Prowse now as well um, he's playing Ward Prowse yeah well he's playing in for stars yeah they've always had decent players there but you know the previous managers have not been able to get you know regular tune out of the players and as he basically said uh, before the game midweek so you know he's, he's had a good response from the players and it's a hard one to call this game because Burnley uh, beaten in five um, tightened up defensively since that Everton thrash in five one was it and um, you know they'll kind of they they'll go well they look more like the Burnley of last season um, so they're going to be hard to beat and you can see Southampton obviously trying to play on the counter attack with the pace of Redmond um, trying to hurt him that way so it's an it's an intriguing one this I, I'm not really sure which way it's going to go no but it's going to have huge ramifications down the bottom uh, whoever does if someone does uh, win that game let's move on to Brighton against Watford three o'clock UK time on Saturday. Of all the teams that are just out of the mix right now, I can't help but feel that Brighton might be the one that just fall in the in the next few weeks. They've lost the last three, just one point in the last four. Uh, they've failed to score in their last two home games. They're still very reliant on Glenn Murray, who, fair enough, did score two and could have scored five in the first half in that bizarre loss against Fulham in midweek. It's games like this against Watford, one of the mid-table sides who, who might be thinking a bit about winning the FA Cup a bit more than where they might finish in the Premier League. I hope they are, uh, to be fair. Them and Wolves should be focusing a bit more on winning something. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um, I think Brighton need to win games like this. And, and that might add a certain layer of of complication to this fixture. I think they will win this as well, actually. I think, looking at it from the Watford point of view, it feels like we've had our latest good run of form and then the loss against Spurs, which was disappointing, 1-0 up with 10 minutes to go. Yeah. Obviously, they're a good team, Spurs, but you, you felt that maybe we could have held on and got a point there at least. It feels like maybe we'll have a few dodgy results before coming good again. just seems to be the way the season has gone for Watford. Brighton strong at home. I can just I can see a, a narrow Brighton victory in this game. Yeah. Only if they get a corner, though. If they don't, they'll never score a goal. Yeah. They're never going to happen. They're a bit like Bournemouth, as you said. They've mm. like they have a spell where they're doing well, then they go on a bad run, and then they seem to come back and win. It's the same as that entire to... five, though, isn't it? If you go West Ham to Wolves. You, yeah. We could. We, I mean, I think Dave you said it's in the very first show of the year. You talk, we were talked about West Ham and Watford, and you know, a bit of banter between us because we're just lads. Yeah. And you basically said. Both those teams will win four in a row and lose four in a row. Yeah. They're going to be, and that, that has been the story of that whole five. If one of them could have put a run together across the season, they could be looking at Man U, Chelsea, Arsenal, and trying to pip them in sixth, maybe fifth. But they've not been able to do it. Yeah. Um, any chance, Ben, that Watford might start? Some of those players might think we're in the cup here. Maybe the same as as Wolves as well. 
stop thinking so much about the league and start thinking about a bit of glory? I hope not. Um, uh, some people say that the cup is a distraction, but I think when you when you're moving towards the quarterfinal stages and and with so many of the the so-called bigger clubs not in the competition, yeah. I think they can they can certainly start having aspirations mm. of 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 getting very close to doing it both. Uh, Watford and Wolves I mean I love the way Wolves play I think when they're on song they play some extremely attractive football and, and they're, you know they've got some very very good players they were very good against West Ham in the week weren't they they were really they did, good they did look good like West Ham made them look good absolutely but they also played some really good stuff let's get on to Wolves they go to Everton uh, this weekend 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday big game this it you know, is a big game both teams looking to push for 7th Silver got the win against Huddersfield but still the, the pressure's still there in the background for him, I think. They've got to win some home games, haven't they? A big defeat to, to Wolves, I think. You know, he pressures right back again. And then, next Saturday, he goes back to Vicarage Road. You looking forward to that? I am. I am indeed. <laughs> You're taking an effigy to burn? <laughs> <laughs> You're building I, I it now? Be. I, I wouldn't do that personally. No, because you're a professional. Other people may choose differently. You'll, you'll <laughs> certainly crowdfund it. <laughs> but, but I think this is, a, this is a tough game. Tough game for Everton. Um, Everton, as you say, they did win in midweek, but at home they just haven't really done it. They haven't really entertained this year. They've got a very similar points tally to this day last year and the season before and the season before, despite changing managers, spending big money. Um, do you think they'll go again, Everton, under Marco Silva for next year? I mean, they're going to finish around where they are now. This season's basically done for them. Yeah, I don't think they've got much left. Um, they have got some very good players and they've spent a lot of money. I thought that um, that Gilfie Sigurdsson would probably come in and have far more of a mm. of um, you know a sort of influence and as to where Everton's season was going to finish. And it, it's not really happened for him. And they have spent big. Um, they've they've been you know they've been well backed Everton the, the, the whoever the manager's been um, but I, I'm just not really taking on board the way that they play and and yeah, what are not, they not doing really what's the style they've lost their way I think start of the season they looked like a good team um, and in recent it just looks like they've lost their way obviously conceding goals um, doesn't help I mean there was a big win obviously against Huddersfield um, in midweek but I mean they lack that striker they didn't sort that out in the summer that was probably the main position that they should have really spent a lot of money on they didn't should mention we, we are recording the programme before the transfer window closes a lot of talk about Michi Batshuayi someone mm, like that so that might have happened. happened when someone listened yeah. to this um, probably not Adrissa Gay will he still be there yeah, very good <laughs> in point. the window um, I mean, they just look like they've lost their way a bit I mean Ben mentions Gilfie Sigerson I think he's actually got double figures for goals I think he's on 10 goals but, but he hasn't been influential in games almost it's, it's a strange one um, obviously he, you know he takes penalties and stuff but I think you would have expected more for the price tag of him influencing games throughout the 90 minutes um, not just looking at his kind of goals total but um, they have spent a lot of money but you still feel that they've got to spend a lot more money yeah. uh, again and they are underperforming at the minute so the pressure is on Silver to, to get a result and Wolves are flying at the minute only lost two of their last 10 games and they're playing some lovely stuff scoring yeah. some good goals uh, and as uh, Dave rightly says they were fantastic against West Ham in midweek I say through gritted teeth <laughs> and Johnny signed permanently as well he has yes yeah I was surprised by that you know 18 million pounds I was chatting to some of the Spanish lads and they were like what? They don't rate him at all, but he's done a good job at Wolves. Yeah, so. he, has. he has. Um let's move on. Final game we've not mentioned. I can't believe this has turned out blah. It's just the way it's gone. But I'm really looking forward to this one. A uh, Crystal Palace Fulham. It's a big one as well. Huge game. Three o'clock Saturday UK time. Only Huddersfield uh, have scored fewer home goals than Crystal Palace in the Premier League this season. Six They've scored six goals all season at home in the league. That's mad. Uh Fulham have shipped a league high thirty away from home. Um Anyone want this one? I actually oh, couldn't tell yeah. you. They haven't got Zaha now, no, have they? Zaha. No, Zaha. You know, because yeah. he, got, he got sent off in the week. And I've got a theory about Wilfred Zaha. He, Here we go. he reminds me of uh, of a young Andy Murray, right? In the, <laughs> yeah, I already love this. He's, got, this he's got all the ability and talent you could wish to have. But when things, well, when he perceives things to go against him, sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly, he, his head goes. You can see that. He, you know, last night when he was clapping the referee, he, mm. he was. You know, players know that they can get into him, rile him up, and he will react. Did you see he needs, James Ward-Prowse's face? He needs a couple of sessions with with Ivan Lendl to sort him <laughs> out. And if he could just be steely and determined and get rid of all that stuff that distracts him he would be one of the best players around. I think that's fantastic. That's so yeah, right. And they both had terrible really hair well. when they were 23 as well. Yeah. It's all there. Yeah, he brought that back really well. Then. I fully <laughs> understand the comparison. Um, but I played with Wilf and 
he, he is a bit of a strange character you know personality wise he's a difficult can be a difficult person to get to know doesn't really give you a lot back and and he was like that in games you could kind of get to him um and if he got unhappy about something it would just affect his kind of his, his whole game he, he would become anonymous at times or he would do something silly so you know at the time the likes of kind of melee jedinak who was you know the captain the big leader in the team he, he would have to police him you know you, you'd have to police Wilf quite a lot to keep him kind of on the straight and narrow and um you know whether he's got that now at Paris I don't know because he has obviously kicked on from when I played with him mm. and become a, a probably a better player a, a bit well, more he kicked of a off last night a bit more of a character in the team one of the the best players in the team so you know it was silly really what he did you know I do feel for him a little bit he got he fouled a lot though didn't he a lot. the Bednarek no one was a straight red yeah. against Bednarek I think yeah. he even got yellowed on the night yeah, I don't know why Mariner doesn't give a foul there and you know, sometimes he does go down a little bit easy but the way he plays as well he dribbles so much and you know players just can't live with his pace so he is diving less though you know like we were doing shows maybe what October time and there was a lot of Wilfred Zaha diving a lot in games and I was doing think, discussions about maybe he doesn't know what a foul is yeah. and, and, and things like that yeah. because he, he does get fouled so often yeah. and he's sometimes diving sometimes not yeah. what's the last three games for Palace only on TV but I've noticed him not going down and spinning around and making a meal of it as much yeah. he has learned that lesson but now he needs to be getting yeah. free kicks but, as well but I think since he came out and obviously said about it and blaming the refs and so I don't think he's been he hasn't played as well I think his form's dipped since then I think opposition managers I'll certainly be looking at him saying look get into him early mm. if you get an opportunity to leave a little bit on him do so because he can lose his head and get sent off and if you stop Wilfred Zaha you stop Palace to a, to a large extent and he won't be there this weekend yeah, he won't no, be there, that yeah. is an advantage for Fulham I saw Palace last week, last week against Spurs as I said and they actually they looked really good they were great on the counter attack mm. Connor Wickham got a goal yeah. first time in a few years oh, didn't he, he love it scored? as well that yeah. was nice it's been two and a half years or something since he even played it was two years and a few weeks or something like that Brilliant. Yeah, but Fulham will be confident as well after that. That was a huge win for them against Brighton in the week. Yeah. I still don't know how that happened, you know. No. I have no idea how... Because Brighton were in such control. And then Murray should have scored again and again. And I just... I mean, you guys have been in dressing rooms. Was it one of those things where they were like, right, we are down. This is done. Unless we go out there and do... I mean, it just felt a bit like... Al Pacino gave the <laughs> half-time speech. We're going to get something Sunday. inch by inch. <laughs> something like that. Do you know what I mean? What do you got? <laughs> Must have been. I mean, Ben's probably seen it a lot being a Manchester United player, He loves Pacino as well, to be fair. They were, the, they were the masters of, of late comebacks and, and winning games late. Um, I mean, you've got nothing to lose at Tula, I suppose, and the, the situation Fulham are in. Um and when you get that momentum, when you get it back to 2-2 then, you you feel as a player then there's only going to be one yeah. winner. Once the momentum goes with you, even then the opposition team start thinking, we're going to lose this. You can just feel the, the kind of shift in, in power and that's probably what happened. Um, but a big, huge win, huge win for fun because Brighton don't concede four very often. No. No. Um, Lance, listen, we're out of time. I wish we could go on for longer, but unfortunately, we've run out of money to pay you for longer. Uh, thanks, Ben. Thanks, Gabs. Thanks, Dave, as ever. We'll be back with another preview show next week when West Ham have definitely beaten Liverpool. Definitely. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus of the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.